Hello, and congratulations if you're listening to this. You've won something. I'm just kidding. Actually, you did not win anything, but you have stumbled upon something wonderful, and that is a podcast episode that I'm recording. My name is Sarah, but you knew that because we're friends. And why am I recording a podcast episode? <laughs> um, I don't really know, but I said that I would, and I guess enough people who I really trust and look up to have been encouraging me to find a way to get all the things that I say out into the world, um, which is a little bit dangerous, but that's okay. And I guess I agree with them that, well, I mean, I love to learn and to teach the word of God and he has entrusted me with a gift to a a gift of the ability to speak it into other people's lives. And I'm very grateful for that. And so I just want to come alongside you wherever you are in your faith or just generally, I want to come alongside you. I mean, I miss you and I want to hang out. So this is something that you can listen to whenever. And it's just like, I'm there with you. Like if you're driving or getting ready in the morning or what else do people do when they listen to podcasts? If you're in the shower or on the toilet, I don't necessarily want to be there with you. But you know what? If you want me there, why not make every moment edifying? So, okay. So I'll I'll first just say, Thank you, friends who have encouraged me and been supporting me. Don't worry. I have a more formal intro coming. I think um, I'm in the very beginning stages of building this whole podcast ministry thing, but I could not wait until that was all done to get this word out there because actually I was supposed to record this sermon um a month and a half ago but uh I got delayed or I didn't get delayed I delayed it because I got distracted and discouraged and even fearful at times but I cannot delay any longer because there is a lot going on in my life and I know that there is a lot going on in your life and we got stuff to talk about I want to give you a short and somewhat boring story that actually led me to this sermon. And it all started about two and a half months ago when (laughs) I moved down to Tampa, Florida. And as many of you know, I am no longer (laughs) in Tampa, Florida, but I moved back up to my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And that is okay. That is okay for a lot of reasons. But When I moved down to Tampa, Florida, it was for a lot of reasons. I felt like I had outgrown Pittsburgh. I felt like God was pushing me to get out of my comfort zone. And I felt called to some specific things down there. Some of them I got to do. Um, But when I was down there, I was looking for a job so that I could afford to live. You know how that goes. And I was having a really hard time finding a job. Um, Nobody would hire me not jobs in my field, which is social work, not even Target or Starbucks would hire me. And that was about to become a problem because bills were coming up and 
money was ceasing to exist in my bank account. So this became very frustrating. And one particular morning, I was extra pissed off about it because I woke up to a rejection email from the job that I actually wanted. It was a Christian life coaching position and it was remote and it paid well. But that morning I got the email, whatever, got up, got in the shower, got ready for the day. And by the time I was ready for the day, all I wanted to do was get right back into bed and do all the things that add absolutely no value to my life. Um, TikTok, I can spend a stupid amount of time watching TikTok. But basically that morning I was faced with this decision of what the heck do I do with my freaking day? And a small nudging voice from the Lord reminded me of a scripture that I had read just a day or two before this morning. Um, and that scripture comes out of first Samuel, first Samuel chapter one, it's verse 18. And I will read it to you. It says, and she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. That is a very random Bible verse out of context, but I'll give you the context. So this is a verse about Hannah and Hannah's story is crazy. And her story starts with a man. Are we surprised? I'm just kidding. Um, yes, it starts with Amanda. though. It, it starts with her husband, Elkanah. And Hannah's husband, Elkanah, actually has two wives. His other wife's name is Panina. But I'm going to call her Panini because she deserves it. And if you don't already know this story, you'll know why she deserves it in a moment. So Panini has children with Elkanah, but Hannah does not have children with Elkanah. And that's significant for several reasons, but we're going to focus on this one particular to this story. So Elkanah and his family, they are from a city called Ramah, but every year they travel to the city Shiloh, where the tabernacle was. And that is where they would go to worship God and to make sacrifices to him. And every year when they would make this family trip, they would enjoy a nice meal. And the scripture describes Elkanah giving portions of the meal to Panini and her children, but it says that he he would give double the portions, and I'm hoping it was something good, um, to Hannah. It says because he loved her even though she couldn't have any children. And this clearly made Panini jealous because she would provoke Hannah on these trips about the fact that she was childless. And every year this went on. Every year they'd go on this trip to the temple, they would have their meal, make their sacrifices, and Panini would be a little to Hannah. And this obviously hurt Hannah a lot. And one particular year, she just couldn't take it anymore. And that's where I think I'm going to pick up in the story and actually just read the scripture to you. Again, um, this is 
1 Samuel chapter 1, I'm going to start at verse 9 and we'll see where I stop. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman, and Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman, troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah his wife. Side note, that means that they did it. And the Lord remembered her, and in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. So our story here has a happy ending, I would say. Uh, Hannah got her son and his name was Samuel. And that's the name of this book. And I won't get into the whole significance of that. But long story short, Samuel was a pivotal character, a hero in Israel's history. He was the first prophet after Moses, and he was anointed by God to inaugurate Israel's monarchy. So what else is significant about Samuel's story is that it starts with a woman, but not just any woman. It starts with this woman, Hannah, who we see go through a lot. Um, she's, she's hurt, and she's frustrated, and she's very sad and she's weeping and she is begging God for a son and he answers her prayer but that's not why she had the son that's not why her prayer was answered if you look at the scripture closely Hannah's head actually lifted before God answered her prayer. Uh, Before she got the miracle, before the blessing, before her circumstances changed, she had stopped weeping and she proceeded forward. So let me backtrack a little bit um, and be a little more clear. Hannah is in the temple. She's crying and she's praying. Eli thinks she's drunk and she's like, no, I'm not drunk. Um, but, um, I'm in despair and Eli listens to her and being the man of God in this story, the priest, which means he represents God's words when he says to her, 
Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. In other words, go in peace, God is going to answer your prayer. Which is excellent. I mean, have you heard that before, that God's going to do it? God will give you the desires of your heart. God hears prayer. God answers prayer. And that's true. I know I'm being a little sarcastic, but I'm not about to say that it's not true. Um, That is in scripture, and all those statements are absolutely true of God. But I want to give special recognition to Hannah, uh, who represents to the believer exactly what kind of prayer God loves to answer. This woman loves the Lord. It is so obvious by her prayer life. She, in the beginning of the story, she asks the Lord for a son and promises that if he grants her this desire, that she will dedicate the gift to the Lord. She will use this blessing for him and she will honor him with it. And that's why she wants a son. She doesn't want it so that Panini will stop bullying her. I mean, of course she wants that to stop, but she doesn't, she doesn't want this life that she has where she is suffering because of the fact that she doesn't have a son and her husband is not enough to cover that. She wants God on it because she clearly knows the Lord and she knows that every good thing is from him. And she says, I want a son and God, if you give me a son, I promise to use him to bring honor and glory to you. And what woman or man of God asks God for something with a promise to give it right back other than one that loves the Lord and knows him and most of all believes in him. And that's going to be a key word in this message is believe. My first point to you is that Hannah got her prayer answered because she believed God. She knew the truth and she believed it. It's not her weeping that that moved God. She had been weeping for years. She came back to the temple weeping every year without a son. But eventually the man of God confronts her and is like, what's wrong with you? And she boldly, I'm sure through her tears, speaks back truth. She's honest with him. In verse 16, she says, Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. So she speaks the truth. She knows who she is. She's a woman of God, of great value. It says not worthless. And she is also honest. She is speaking out of anxiety and vexation. She is anxious and she's vexed. And I googled the definitions of those words so that we could be more thorough in our understanding of of what she's saying here. She is worried, scared, frustrated, and irritated. And she's irritated because her reality is not aligned with what she knows to be the truth. Capital T. Notice she's not blaming God for her affliction, but she's giving God her sorrow because she knows who she's speaking to. He is the one who can end the suffering. She's not weeping to her enemy 
Panini, nor her husband, nor her friends. Who is she weeping to? She's crying out to God, the man who can restore her womb, who can give her the desires of her heart, who can take this broken thing and prosper it into something that reflects his greatness, which is, I promise you, greater, holier, more righteous, more glorious than her own and than our own. And that is why we should pray from this posture that Hannah prays from. Because, uh, listen, we can ask God for what it is we desire, but we have to, like, we must dedicate it back to him. I don't know that he, he answers these prayers any, any kind, any other way. Um, because if we, if we want something from the Lord, we ought to want it for him too, be it marriage, children, a career, friends, a boat, and you know I'm being serious too. Um, people, people who are who genuinely who who are genuinely seeking the Lord and love the Lord in their heart, they truly get that. That if you want something for God, you should want it. Or I'm sorry, if you want something from God, you should want it for Him too. And if you don't understand that, ask God to examine your heart and tell you what's wrong. If you don't understand that, no shame. I mean, no shame to you at all. Um, I, it's just not my point today to elaborate on that, but it's something you're missing and it's something you need to know. So you are welcome to contact me, or I would encourage you to contact a trusted Christian leader and your community to help you understand who Jesus Christ is. Yeah. But back to belief. Uh, God answered Hannah's prayer. Uh, We know this because in the months following her return from this particular trip to the temple, her son Samuel was born. But what is it that activated God's movement? Because I'm telling you, it wasn't her weeping. Not that she shouldn't have been weeping. I'll get to that. But let's look at the scripture closely. Hannah's crying. She tells the priest her grievances. And then the priest answers, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant, that's me, find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. So what is it that gave Hannah the strength to stop crying and to step forward? It was God's words to her, which he spoke through the priest, because I didn't read it um, in the story, but if if you read the whole story, before she had this encounter with the priest, she couldn't even eat. She was so depressed. She couldn't eat and she couldn't stop crying. In fact, she was so distressed that the priest thought that she was drunk. And so when the priest spoke to her, she listened to him. She ate and she went forward in the way that she was supposed to go. And then she was no longer sad. And then the next morning she worshiped God and went home and, and had a son now, how many of you, if you were caught, say, crying hysterically? First of all, how embarrassing. Second of all, I'm just joking. Um, but let's say you were caught upset or someone reached out to you um, about something, whatever it is that's, that's difficult going on in your life. 
uh, be it like a pastor or a mentor or a close friend. And they heard you out and their response to you was, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Or, you know, more along the lines of the priest, um, just have peace, just have it. And uh, God will answer your prayer. Peace, peace out. Um, How would that make you feel? Probably like, okay, great. Thank you. That's, that's great advice. Thank you. No, uh, the temptation is to be angry because that's not helpful advice. And I'm sure you've already been in that situation. And what did you do? You probably found it to be unhelpful, you know, cause like it's a nice sentiment, but it doesn't really alleviate any of the pain or it doesn't really fix the problem. And if you were me, you probably got a little angry and then there was just more sadness and frustration. But let's take a step back and try to see this differently. Try to really understand what happened in this encounter between Hannah and the priest. And the only thing that happened between Hannah being sad and Hannah being not sad was a word from God that said, go in peace and I will answer your prayer. Now, the only thing that would have enabled her to get up, to eat and to move forward and to worship God the next morning is belief in that statement because there was no change in her circumstances that she could point to as evidence or proof that what the priest said was true. She just chose to believe it. She just believed it and proceeded forward as though it were true. Correction, she proceeded forward because it was true. And the thing about belief is that it is not always, in fact, usually not. It is not supported by a feeling. When we feel good, it's easy to believe good things. But when we feel bad, it's easy to believe bad things. Well, what if I told you that you can believe God at his word regardless of how you feel because it is true? It transcends the truth of this is how I feel. And I'm in, I'm in school to become a therapist and even I don't love the phrase, your feelings are always valid because while I agree, your feelings are always valid in the sense that they represent how you are truly experiencing something. Um, I don't, I don't know that feelings are always valid. And that's not to say that you, you can't have feelings or allow yourself to feel what your circumstances have brought upon you. Like, I still believe you. I believe that the circumstances have merited the emotions that you, that you are having in response to them. And you absolutely have permission to feel sad, to feel hurt, um, downcast, irritated, worried. You, you have permission to feel those things. But you cannot stay there. I mean, you can if that's what you want your reality to be. But those emotions are just not the truth of reality. As a believer, 
And as a believer, our reality is what the Bible says and what the Word of God says. And we we actually do see plenty of instances in Scripture where people of God and even Jesus himself, they air their grievances to God. They weep and they share their real vulnerable emotions with the Lord. And that is, in fact, how we are to channel them. When we have these emotions, we can we have options. We can react to them with fear, uh, with destructive behavior, or we can allow them to paralyze us, or we can actually surrender them to God. Um, Psalm 126.5 is a beautiful, lovely promise from the Lord that says, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. So if you've got feelings... I'm not saying don't feel them. Give yourself a moment, whatever, however long you need. Um, give yourself that moment, sure. And then hand them over to God and see what he does with them. Psalm 126.5 is, uh, is what you can expect. Like I said earlier, Hannah felt these emotions, but she knew the truth. Hannah knew it in her spirit And that's why, even though she probably did not feel the peace of God or feel the peace that that God was offering her, she believed his word anyways. And we see her faith, which is her belief, partner with God's grace and his goodness and his power to actually birth the miracle that she was petitioning for. And that was her son, Samuel. And Hannah was faithful to the Lord, just like he was to her. Um, we know we know that she meant what she said in her first prayer about dedicating her son to God because she actually did. And God sees this intention in her heart in the beginning, and he also sees her sorrow, and he sees this end. And in loving the Lord, God actually placed a good desire in her heart, and she prayed for it. And then she refused to believe that which she saw around her, but instead believed the word of God and live according to it. And then she saw the promise come to pass. And so what does this mean for me or for you? Well, if you have found yourself in a position like Hannah's where you are stuck and you are frustrated and you are burdened, Um, God wants to pull you out of that pit and giving him your hand looks like giving him your belief, your trust in his word, in his character and who he is. That's your faith. And so whatever it is you are desiring, if you know that it is from God and you want it for God and to and as a means to make him known and to glorify his name, you can believe this promise that God will grant you what it is you are petitioning him for. Even if it's been years, even if you just slipped up, even if everything around you says that it can't happen, you better believe what his word says. And if you believe it, you'll live into it. And I have no idea how long I've been recording this or speaking into this little microphone. But I'm going to simply give you some 
practical ways to start believing and to start living into this promise. So if you found yourself stuck in frustration or sadness, anxiety, or you are waiting on an answer to a prayer, I'm going to give you three steps to take next. My gracious. Step number one, you're going to get right with God. And I'm talking to believer. I'm talking to everybody. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you don't know what I mean, or you do know what I mean, but you're still confused, please, 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 please contact me or a trusted Christian leader in your community. But we have, we have to get right with God because the fact that scripture tells us is that you don't even know what you want from God until he tells you his word instructs that we must abide in Jesus Christ and he and us for God to grant us the desires of our heart. So ask God to give you good desires, desires that will deepen your relationship with him, desires that you can use to serve and to glorify him. So offer God your heart. And if there's stuff in your heart that's put walls between you and him, good news, Jesus broke those down. So repent and receive that grace. Thank you. Get yourself a new heart, a better one. Step number two, you're going to pray to him and offer him whatever it is that burdens you. And here's your permission. Again, you can cry. You can even yell. You, you can't, you must be honest. Tell him what it is you desire. And pro tip, be specific. (laughs) I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, (laughs) but ladies, if you are praying for a husband, and I know a lot of you are, don't just say, God, send me my husband, because every which kind of man is going to come your way, and you're going to be susceptible to believing that Jake is the one. No. No be specific. So, so when it comes your way, you know that it's from God. Say, God, I want a husband who knows you, who bears these fruits of the spirit, who loves me like Christ loves the church, who wants to raise X amount of children with me, who has this kind of family, who has this kind of job, who treats others this way, who, who can make me laugh. Don't say height though. Um, I think that's the only thing that the Lord doesn't cater to. He may give you the man of your dreams, but he just might be under six feet. And that's okay. That's, that's more than okay. I'm partially joking. And all jokes aside, tell God specifically what you want and how you're going to use it for him. Step number three, you're going to ask God what it is he would have you to do next. I don't think I said that properly. You're going to ask God what to do next. So for me, when I was going through this process, I knew in my spirit that the very next thing God wanted me to do, my my next step forward was to write this message that he had given me. So is there something that you know that the Lord has been asking you to do but you have not done it. Do that thing. 
Um, if he has not given you a specific command, then here is here are some ideas from an approved list of activities where you could start. Open your Bible and read it. Go serve somebody. Um, go to work or school and give it your best effort. Go clean your house. Go clean your, your home, your apartment. Um, go take care of your body. Take a shower. Exercise. Or meal prep a nourishing meal. Go to a Bible study. Get up and do something that adds value to your life. Start making space for the things and implementing the habits that are going to lead you to what it is you are asking the Lord for. And I lied to you. There are four steps to this process. And this is number four, and it is the most important. Believe God. Believe him at his word, even if everything around you says differently, even if you don't feel faith, because this is what's going to enable you to do all of these steps daily, hourly, if you need to, you must believe God because that is faith and that is what God responds to. And if you don't know what truth is and what it is you're supposed to be believing, then read the manual, open your Bible. And you can even, life hack, Google what Bible verses address the very things that you're confused about and read them. And I'm sure I'm going long on time here, but I want to give you some scriptures that I like to meditate on and declare that speak to this promise. So I'm actually, I'm going to read through rather quickly, but if you're able, you should write these, these verses down so that you can go back later. Psalm 37, four says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. John 14, blah, blah, John 15, four and five abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Isaiah 55, 10, and 11. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing which I sent it. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your desires, or sorry, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 2 Samuel seven twenty eight. And now, O Lord God, you are God and your words are true and you have promised this good thing to your servant. John 17, 14 through 17. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. 
your word is truth. And my personal favorite, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And that's what I'll give you to start with. So read up on and meditate on those verses this week as you are praying and believing God for the next thing in your life. And that's a word for me. So something I want to promise for this podcast and ministry going forward is that I'm not going to preach a word that I'm not learning myself. So like I was saying in the beginning, I actually had to put into practice this example that Hannah modeled of lifting my head before the circumstances changed and stepping forward in faith in the direction that I knew the Lord was calling me. And it led me to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is more than okay, because here I am recording this message and with all of these new opportunities in front of me. And I am just really excited for what's going to come next. And I look forward to sharing the testimony with you. And I hope you do the same. One last thing. Um, one point, very important point that I forgot to make is this scripture says that Hannah ate. And that that one morning that I described to you in the beginning, I literally followed her example in, in that way as well. It was around lunchtime by this point in the day. And so before I actually wrote the sermon, I did eat. And you know what I ate? Texas toast, like that frozen garlic bread, the four cheese kind that you get in the freezer section. So if you can, get yourself a box of that frozen garlic bread and toast yourself a slice or two. And when you're eating it, think of me and be grateful that I put you onto that garlic toast because I forgot how good that stuff was. And if you actually do that, take a picture and tag me on your Instagram story or send it to me because <laughs> I honestly would love that. Um, yeah. I didn't make a plan for how I would actually end this podcast. So, Atlas, do you want to say anything? Just a head shake? Okay. You want to go outside? You want to go outside? Really? Okay, let's go outside. Okay, got to go because the dog's got to go out. Okay, bye.